Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Edge Podcast. And we've got a great show today. Michelle Meyer, uh, Chief U.S. Economist at MasterCard Economics Institute, and Ginger Siegel, North America Small Business Lead at MasterCard International, are going to be our guests today. And I couldn't think of a better tandem to talk about what's happening with small business as we enter the fourth quarter of 2023 with a lot of exciting things happening ahead for small business. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss the findings from the latest MasterCard Small Business Report, along with what business owners can expect for the rest of 2023, including the holiday season, which is something I always get asked about. So with that, I want to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Michelle Meyer, and Ginger Siegel. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, we're excited. You two do a lot of great work on behalf of small business owners. And I've known Ginger for a little while now, and I always tell her that, that I, I as a business owner, appreciate the work that you do on our behalf with the tools that you provide, the resources you provide, the events that you, you uh, set up, and the way you recognize and support uh, small business owners. So thank you on behalf of all of us. Uh, You're welcome. And it's really our pleasure. And you yourself do a tremendous amount for small businesses, even beyond this podcast. So thank you, Brian. Thank you. It's a a love affair. It is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's, Let's get the party started. Michelle Meyer, what is the MasterCard Economics Institute? Sure. Um, So I guess the simplest way to think about the Economics Institute at MasterCard is that it's a group of economists, data scientists, data engineers, data visualization experts, people who love data, they love the economy, who come together to deliver tailored and actionable thought leadership to our partners. And our partners could be a variety of folks. They're our clients, there's the public sector, small business community, um, people who we engage with, MasterCard engages with, um, who care about the macro trends and about the economy. Um, and our goal is to help folks make sense of economic trends and data, which has been a really challenging thing in the last few years, given the abnormal nature of this business cycle um, and the unpredictability of mm. this economy coming out of it. You know, that's a great word, unpredictability, because I've been doing it for a long time and I can't remember a more unpredictable period in our economy than what we're seeing today. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 right, um, and I think that's because of the nature of the shock in 2020. It was a pandemic that put part of the economy in hibernation, um, mm. in a sudden matter, in a way that people were not used to. Um, and the, you know, the good news is that there was an extraordinary amount of stimulus to help mm. offset that type of pain, monetary stimulus, fiscal stimulus. Um, and once the economy and the world was able to reopen coming out of the pandemic, there was a rush of growth Mm. Um, and spending um, and innovation um, and investment. So we've ended up seeing an economy emerge from the pandemic that proved to be stronger, that proved to be more resilient um, with, we'll see potentially some pretty long lasting implications. Um, So we're still learning as we move out of this period of time um, of what will be temporary adjustments versus more long-term adjustments to the economy as a result of the pandemic. The new normal. 
<laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it's like that phrase that just keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ew, normal. <laughs> I, I, I've learned to like it, but I, I, I it yeah. used to, I was like uh, fingernails on a, a chalkboard at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know. Yeah. Um, Ginger. So the last uh, couple of years have brought a, a lot of challenges for small businesses. Um, what are some of the key obstacles that we as small business owners continue to face that you're saying? Yeah, it's it's a really great question, Brian. And we actually have just completed some pretty recent research. And, uh, you know, there's some things that you um, probably would have expected and maybe some things you wouldn't have. So number one um, in our research, what small businesses said is inflation and really around this concept of rising costs. But directly coming out of that is also this issue of reduced profitability, because that kind of margin of where small businesses feel they can raise prices to mm-hmm. accommodate their increased prices, yet keep their customer base, it's a tough one. And they don't have great economists like Michelle yeah. um, sitting in their uh, in their business. And so for many of them, it's a tough one. In fact, it's really interesting, about a quarter of small businesses said that inflation was still the single most important business problem. But what's really interesting is only, only I say only, but about 27% of small businesses have actually raised prices. Mm-hmm. So you know that if you're a small business and you have increased prices due to inflation, but you're not raising it, that's where the reduced profitability comes in. The other issue is, you know, small businesses are still reeling a bit from COVID where they had the shutdown mm-hmm. and many of them were really not ready from a digital perspective. So about a, about probably a third of the 32 million small businesses did not have a digital online presence. So they're still working to catch up. 70% are becoming more digitized, but they're really trying to find a way to acquire new customers. So digitization is another major thing that we're we're looking at. Um, the other thing that's coming up is um, also hiring. Um, you know, about 40% said that, you know, and which the 40% is actually down a li- little from the month before, but they said that some job openings are still hard to fill. And then I guess um, the last one I would mention is supply chain. Mm. Um, because these are smaller organizations, they don't have the muscle and the power. So for many of them, their ability to acquire products to either manufacture their products or to sell from a distribution perspective is also tough. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about safety and security, which has reared its head in a very ugly way with about 50% of cyber attacks happening to them. But we'll talk more about that in a bit. Yeah. And all of these points that you bring up, um, you, you know, I see that a lot, the, the reduced profitability because business owners haven't been able to get a good grasp on their variable costs. You know, they swing wildly. You look at gas prices recently or utility costs and what that does to a business that operates on low margins as it is. Suddenly you could sell your way into going out of business if you're not paying attention. So that's that's a great point. And I know you're doing a lot of work at MasterCard on helping business owners digitize their businesses. Yeah, no, it's it's so important. You know, we believe, you know, one of the reasons I'm one of the many reasons I'm proud to work for MasterCard is we really are trying to build equality into the financial and digital system. So we Mm -hmm. want to make sure that all small businesses have access. And I mentioned to you 
you know, about 10 million small businesses were really not set up. And right. of the 45 small businesses percentage that kind of went out of business, a big reason was their inability to actually reach their customers and sell products and services. So helping small businesses get up to speed in terms of making sure their website is optimized, making sure that they also have the tools to receive payments. Mm. Um, probably about 75% of consumers say they're, you know, they actually must pay from a digital perspective. So we we really are working hard through our digital doors program and continue to build those solutions. I love that. Before we go on, that digital doors, what uh, we'll get, we'll put that in the resource page. I'm going to mark this on, on the podcast to make sure that we have, you have a whole digital doors website, right? We do. And it's amazing. And yeah. it is, it has got education. It's yeah. got tools on cyber it has how to actually get a website set up. We have amazing par- merchant partners that have yeah. put discounts on it. And we just partnered with some companies like Hootsuite, where you can actually build your own ads online. Wow. Uh, for free. Wow. So a lot of great updates. I'll make sure we put that in the resources page. So bookmark that listeners check that the the resource page that'll be attached to this podcast for access to MasterCard's digital doors to help you um, enhance your online presence. Um, Michelle, so a lot of these challenges that we're talking about, uh, pandemic, inflation, supply chain, they affected uh, consumer spending. How are the challenges how do, how do they vary across sectors like retail and, uh, you know, restaurants and B2B? Yeah, that's that's a really important point, because we typically talk about the economy just from a macro lens. But the reality is the micro story matters so much. Mm-hmm. These economic trends, whether it be inflation or the labor market um, or interest rates, it matters differently depending on how you participate in the economy. So. One thing that we've done in the Institute, and we just released a research paper um, this week where we look at um, trends in consumer spending mm-hmm. um, by examining consumer card spending using a unique measurement to segment merchants into business type. So small and medium, large, and then online marketplaces, which is an yeah. important distinction we pull out because online marketplaces help to facilitate small and medium-sized businesses to expand their consumer base and digitize, which is something Ginger was just referring to. Um, And we do this segmentation based on various financial and operational attributes. Um, But what it allows us to do is to use our aggregated anonymized insights to really understand how consumers are spending across different businesses and then break that into different industries as well. So let me just offer a few numbers that I think are pretty compelling. I love numbers. Yeah, I can't get away from the numbers, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Um, so, from our measurement, we saw consumer card spending at SMEs to be up 63 percent from the pre-pandemic period. That's measured as the first half of 2019 through the first half of 2023. And so how much was it up? 63 percent increase in consumer card spending at SMEs. And oh. to put that into perspective. Yeah. Over the same period of time, large retailers saw a 44% gain. Wow. So you had an outsized increase in spending at SMEs during that period of time. Now, part of that is inflation, right? Mm-hmm. We had lots of inflation during this, 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 this environment, but it's quite meaningful. And if you look at online marketplaces over that same period of time, the increase was 160%. Wow. So 
it was certainly an environment where the move towards e-commerce, the innovation that occurred with new business creation Mm -hmm. really helped to generate more spending and more powerful spending. And it meshes with what you see in the public data. So when you think about the number of new businesses that have been created since the pandemic, it's it's huge, right? So in 2022 alone, there were 5.1 million business applications. Yeah. Prior to the pandemic, we were running about three and a half million per year. So the pandemic was obviously a a monumental time in so many ways. But one of the things that it ended up doing, in part because the low cost of capital coming out of it with very accommodative monetary policy, is that it helped to create a lot of new businesses, young businesses, and really rapidly growing businesses. Yeah. And I think that's long term. I, I honestly think that there's been a fundamental shift with technology and the access to remote workers Mm -hmm. Right. Small businesses, your universe now of being able to hire the best and retain them has gone from your regional area to anywhere in the world. That's exactly right. And what we think about that from an economics perspective is that there's better job matching. And when you have better job matching, you have a more efficient workforce Mm -hmm. and you have a workforce that can be more engaged. So one of the dynamics that have occurred since this pandemic period as well is we went from a great resignation as people left the workforce to this great resurgence of the workforce. If you look at the what's called cyclical labor force participation rate, the 20 to 54-year-old cohort, Mm -hmm. the participation rate today is above where it was prior to the pandemic overall, and it's significantly above for women um, amongst that age group. And I do think we can attribute part of that to the better job matching, flexibility, um, ability to find jobs and employment that work with your lifestyle and your, your world as well. Yeah, I agree. That's a a true silver lining for small businesses. Yes. Um, So looking at this, what's interesting is when the pandemic first hit, you know, we always tried to predict what the future would hold. Okay, this is going to last two weeks and then we'll get out. Uh All right. And then and then 2021 was okay. Here's what we're expecting. You know, everyone suddenly became a a prognosticator, as I like to say. Yes. And and we really misread the recovery of the pandemic because of everything that ginger you said right inflation supply chain hiring um you know was the whammy that nobody expected and so that was 2022 so looking at 2023 and now we're in, in Q4 um is this the is this what we expected is this what small business owners expected from this year like when you look back to January of 2023 and you look to where we are now, is, is this where we expect it to be as small business owners in the small business market? I could take a first stab at that from an economics perspective and then maybe turn to Ginger to talk about it more through the lens of her small business community. Um, from the economics perspective, the economy has exceeded expectations. So, you know, starting out this year, there was a lot of buzz about everything that can go wrong, (laughs) you know, uh, concerned about recession, concerned about downturn and inability to manage through a higher rate environment and inability to manage through an inflationary environment. And the reality is, is that the economy 
exceeded expectations this year and is running above the pace of growth from last year and above its underlying potential growth rate. So right now, if you look at how the data is tracking for real GDP growth, we're running at about 2.3% right. growth for this year. Right. In a trend economy, we have just south of 2% growth, call it 1.9%. So it's above trend for mm-hmm. the real economy. Now, that is coming in an environment where inflationary pressures have come off a lot. So nominal growth or the dollars that are moving through the economy, you have seen a bigger slowdown there because you have seen an easing of inflationary pressure. Um, but the ability for the labor market to continue to expand, the ability of consumers to continue to spend, the ability of companies to continue to invest, all of that, I think, has greatly exceeded expectations. Um, and that's shown through a lot of surveys. When you think about surveys of the small business community or surveys of the overall economy, you know, heading into the year, there was much more concern about what was going to go wrong than what was going to go right. And a lot more went right for the economy this year. But why? That's the yeah. big, I don't understand that. Because when you look yeah. at supply and demand and the fact that a lot of Americans live paycheck to paycheck and inflation, we're going to drive interest rates higher to slow down inflation and increase unemployment. Yeah. I mean, 20th century metrics or, or rules that we use to battle inflation yeah. didn't yeah. seem to be working in 2023. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, there's a few reasons. I think one is part of the inflation that we saw was supply side driven, right? Okay. So once the supply chains became um, fixed, once we had better inventory management, mm-hmm. once we allow for the deceleration of or decline in energy prices and deceleration of food prices, yeah. we had a lot of easing of inflation that okay. came without the demand side push, Right. So when you think about what you had just mentioned, the typical way you ease inflation through a rising unemployment rate, mm-hmm. the standard economic belief, we were able to see a slowdown, a meaningful slowdown in inflation um, from the supply side being healing or being fixed. Sure. Um, and that means that consumers have stronger real purchasing power when they don't have as much outsized or external inflationary forces. Um, so I think that's one of it. The other one is that there was a lot of pent up demand for labor for workers yeah. that I think was underappreciated as well. Um, it you know in the beginning stages of the recovery we had very strong productivity gains. Technology was a big part of the investment equation, um, and as a result, you know workers were kind of underutilized in the beginning stages of this recovery. And now there's been so much demand for our expanding of the workforce. So we've seen job creation in excess of an underlying trend, the unemployment rate continuing to hover in the mid 3% pace. Um, And that maintains and drives consumer spending when you have that type of income creation. So I think that was another important factor. And we saw a lot of that coming from the small business market. Right. Oh, if you look at absolutely. If you look at yeah. the Census Bureau's data on job openings, yeah. job opening rates were significantly above for the small business community than for the large um, companies. It's a and, big and, part of it. And it was almost as if Chairman Powell from the Fed was saying, OK, small businesses, you can start a business. Just don't hire anybody. or I'm going to keep raising interest rates until we see unemployment numbers go up. Well, I think it was more that, you know, we, the Federal Reserve's job is to smooth the business cycle. We don't want to. I know. I know. I know. That doesn't want to have excesses. You don't want to have. 
too much inflation or too much growth because then you get the payback after. So I think the idea was to increase interest rates at a pace that was appropriate to continue to have expansion, but to have it at a reasonable rate so that it can persist. Um, And I think that was the intention. And I think it's worked pretty well when you think about how the labor market has fared. Yeah, and Brent, I'll I agree. One thing, I'll just add one thing onto what Michelle said. So a lot of people don't realize this, and I just spoke at a very large small business event yesterday. 65% of all jobs are actually being created by small businesses. Mm-hmm. People don't get the power of that. And then the other thing is you asked about um, you know, how small businesses were feeling exactly also to Michelle's point. We saw this past month sentiment drop a little bit, but look, in t- between 2019 and 2020, there were 870,000 new small businesses formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2022, it was over 5 million. And so we're seeing, and, and it's not it's not lessening to some of Michelle's stats. We're seeing right. that continue. So I think the sentiment is out there is is really really good. To Michelle's point, female businesses are one of the fastest growing segments. And as this, you think about it, if that continues and you really begin to push their buying power already as they're over indexed, it's it's just a huge opportunity for the segment. And so, and, and I love that, and I'm a hundred percent supporter of it, truly anybody who wants to start a business, but women and minorities. You know, when when you look at the 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 damage that was done to the black community when the pandemic hit, you know, a lot of them you realize just how exposed they were in terms of access to capital and the tools that they needed to survive it. And I love to see any kind of programs that are being um, instituted into the black communities to help black owned businesses, you know, that, that want to start a business today uh, or, yeah, or I mean, looking for. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Look, the, the reality is, is if you just look at venture funding, which is not the end all be all, but only 2% of venture funding goes to female owned businesses. Yeah. If you're yeah. a black female owned business, that 2% drops down to 0.002%. Yeah. So obviously the underserved communities are really important part of what MasterCard does. I love that. I love that. Um, All right. Let's look at, at going forward, right? So we're, we're, we're kind of under the hundred day mark for 2023 and Mm -hmm. every small business owner that I know that looks at the tail end of the year for their, you know, whether or not they're going to hit their goals or not is looking for any kind of, suggestions, tips, or advice on how they can make the most of the 2023 holiday season. So, um, Ginger, I know that you, uh, like you said, you've been to a lot of events and, and, and talked to a lot of business owners. One, what are they saying in terms of the upcoming holidays? And two, what are some best practices that they've shared or that you've shared with them? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I will let Michelle opine on kind of the economic spending forecast. We have some excellent tools um, from our spending pulse data and Michelle does an amazing job. And also, I think because we have this new economic data out, it's wonderful to see how a lot of that spend is is going to small businesses. But the one thing I'll say which can derail any great end of year is Uh, the concept of fraud and cyber attacks. Mm. Um, If I were going to advise small businesses is to completely secure and lock down your entire digital 
um, world. And, and what I mean by that is over 50% of cyber attacks are happening on small business today. Mm-hmm. The average cost of a cyber attack is between $100,000 and $200,000. Wow. Wow. And if you take a look at the fact that 95% of small businesses are under a million, that will wipe out a business yep. regardless. So what I'm talking about that is there are so many tools out there and I have small businesses say, well, you know, I don't want to pay for that. And what I say is if you could pay $30 a month for protection and monitoring of the dark web, making sure that your vulnerability points are patched up and it would cost you $400 a year Mm -hmm. versus $200,000 what would you rather? So I think it's really important that people not, number one, assume that the people that they're doing business with in terms of their website, et cetera, have it locked down. Ask the question, make sure. Mm -hmm. The things that I always talk about is their own personal email, their business email, their website. And what's happening, Brian, is that these bad actors that in the past have really targeted a lot of huge companies, they're saying, you know what? We might get less per hit, but boy, is it easy to get. Yeah. And um, so I think that's a really, really important thing because, and I'll turn it over to Michelle from a spending perspective, all these people could spend all this money. The more uh, transactions you have, the more exposure to fraud. But I'll let Michelle weigh in just kind of on some of her thoughts too. But yeah. So one point though, to to follow up on that. Yeah. Somebody gave a really good visual. It's like um, it's like a thief driving down your block, and that the house the, the houses are all small business owners, right? Uh, business owners, and that what they're looking for is somebody who has an open door or an open window. Oh, that's they, that's so easy. I just walk in, I can take it. But if they go up and they try it and it's locked and the windows are locked, they'll just go to the next house. It's almost like a crime of convenience. Right. If you're if you're if you're dumb enough to leave your doors open and your windows open and your car unlocked, that's an invitation for me to to steal from you. And it's not to say that they won't break into your house, even if your doors are locked, your house. But it's just one extra layer to prevent it. It's a great point. It's a great analogy. I actually might use that. I love that. And the point, I'm the it, messenger. It, I'm in love. It. it. It's a game of numbers, right? So yeah. if I'm a bad actor and I'm going through the, these websites and someone, it's a lot harder, I might just quickly move on to the next one where it's easy. Yeah. So the point, and the thing is today, whether it's testing for the vulnerability of your sites, whether it's monitoring systems, which, you know, MasterCard provides, which provides 24-7 monitoring. Mm -hmm. These are things that are well worth the potential cost of it to protect your business, protect your information. And this is not just on your business side, but as 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 a business owner, you are tied in personally as well. All right. So last question on that. And then I want to ask Michelle about the numbers. How long does it take to set up protection for your business? Well, I will tell you, and it's been really an interesting learning for me, it's fast. I mean, you can do this. I mean, this is fast. This is about um, going to the vendors, which we we provide a lot on digital doors, and actually just signing up. And some of these vendors will actually help you with an attack. So this $100,000 to $200,000 is usually around ransomware. Um, So there's a lot of opportunity. The other thing, Brian, is we, we now offer through a partner... There is cyber insurance 
that will actually pay for ransomware. So this is a very quick process. It's very easy. And you know what? If I'm a business owner and I'm protecting my hard-earned money and my reputation, if it takes me even an hour or two, well worth the time. Yeah. So less than the time it takes to order a a coffee online and go pick it up. Yep. Very fast. Very fast. Michelle, how about those numbers? The long anticipated numbers. So um, <laughs> we are we are forecasting um, holiday sales of three point seven percent this year. Wow, um, that's retail sales um, measure, which is going to be capturing the different components of spend that typically take place during the holiday season, mm-hmm. plus restaurants, um, and that's from November first to December twenty fourth. To put that into perspective, last year we had. Uh, between seven and a half to eight percent growth in holiday sales, um, but prior to the pandemic, we averaged close to about three and a half percent holiday spend. So it is a moderation from last year. So mm-hmm. I think small businesses should take that into consideration and mark to market in terms of their expectations. Um, but much of that moderation is because we're entering a new inflationary environment where there's just not as much inflation. Right, the environment we were in the last two years was one of pretty excessive inflation, very abnormal uh, compared to what we've seen in in recent history. You know, one thing that I always look is how many days is it between Thanksgiving and Christmas? And this year, it's actually 32 days, I believe it is, because Thanksgiving is the 23rd. Mm -hmm. And we actually get an extra weekend because Christmas Mm -hmm. is on a Monday. So we have five weekends instead of four. So the only thing you need to do is avoid a polar vortex. (laughs) <laughs> and any small, kind of small things. Yeah, any kind of crazy weather pattern that that really puts the kibosh on on people getting out there. Yeah. Uh, well, the other dynamic I would just add, Brian, is that the holiday season is starting earlier and earlier as yes, well. Yes. So I would argue we're starting the holiday season. Get ready. Like, <laughs> you know, the promotions are starting earlier, they're more aggressive. And it's certainly the case, and we saw this last year as well is that consumers are looking for those promotions. They're looking mm. for their, those moments of time where they have more power in how they're spending and what they're getting and their dollars are working more. So, you know, it could be another kind of volatile holiday season that is really centered around those promotion periods, which did, are early. Did your study take into account the fact that the, the and, and may not have, but the fact that the federal student loan program is kicking back in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we absolutely have accounted for a variety of risk factors, um, student student loan repayment, which just started to resume. And, you know, there's just over 27 million um, borrowers out there that will have their student debt payments restarted, but not all of them will actually start paying right away. So there's a number of government policies that are put in place to smooth through that. So (laughs) it's likely to be more of a gradual adjustment over the next several months to quarters in terms of people starting to bring student debt payments back into the equation and how that could potentially alter purchasing power. But it's something we're paying a close eye on, particularly for the age cohort that is most impacted by that. As Americans, we have mastered the art of kicking that can down the road. (laughs) Especially when it comes to spending. (laughs) Yes. Um, All right. So, Ginger, you are. Well, first, before that, let's 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 touch a little bit on access to capital. Um, uh, How how concerned uh, should business owners be about that? You you know, and, and are there steps that 
they can take to deal with cash flow, right? I mean, I'm sure you hear that all the time. When when I look at and when I talk to business owners, really the they'll give you a variety of issues that they're facing. But when it comes right down to it, the common thread in all of it is cash flow. You couldn't be more right. In fact, 82% of small businesses that fail do so because of cash flow. Yeah. The average small business only really has about 27 to 30 days of cash on hand. So access to capital is huge. Um, we do know, especially with some of the recent events that have happened with um, banking um, and some of the issues around um, organizations that um, had been shut down, is that there has been a little kink in terms of getting capital. But what what I would say is a couple things. There's a lot of sources out there. Um, there's still a lot of organizations out there that are lending. There's yeah. a lot of programs, particularly in grants. Um, what I would say that the biggest thing that, that to me came out of COVID is the recognition that if we don't protect small businesses, our main streets can die. And because we know small businesses are such an important part of the community. So there's grants, there's lending. But I want to point out one other thing that I don't think people think about enough. Cash flow management is about how quickly you get money coming in and how slowly you push it out while still paying your bills on time. I believe firmly that if more businesses would get their own money in quicker, then in many cases, they wouldn't even need to borrow. So as an example, if I'm Josephine the plumber and Mm -hmm. I'm coming to your house and I send a bill two weeks later, paper bill in the mail, and two weeks later, you send me a check in the mail. Yeah. Versus I get paid in a month versus me get, sending you a digital invoice at your sink and mm-hmm. then having you pay me right away. So I, I really like to put this other idea forth, digital invoicing. There's a lot of tools, making sure that you can accept payments immediately. Those are all things that can really help cash flow on the front end. So maybe borrowing isn't always the resort that you need to take. That's a fantastic point. That, that, you know, business owners tend to look at every problem as a nail, right? That's a nail, that's a nail, that's a nail. And sales is the hammer. All I have to do is get in more sales and, and, and I hammer my problems away. And the fact of the matter is, if, if you allow your invoices to lag net 30, net 60, net 90, even in some cases, you know, when, 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 uh, a, a disaster happens, like a natural or man-made disaster happens, suddenly you might not have access to those invoices. Like if a hurricane hits your customer's area, you, you can forget those invoices for six months, right? Um, so it, it's always important to be the squeaky wheel. And I love, yeah. I love how you talk about that, getting it in real time. Yeah. And and that's why we're so excited about like digital doors that has digital invoicing. And we're really proud of our cards that are our, our customers issue, because on those cards, we have amazing benefits mm. that offer operational tools to actually help them with some of these resources. So I think it's really important to understand that, you know, we're B2B2B. B2B, so we work through our customers like banks and merchants. And there's just a lot of a lot of resources out there for small businesses. They just need to take the time to look at them. And I do believe it's an important piece to think about. You've already earned the money, get it in. Absolutely. You know, it's offense and defense, right? Your defense is your expenses. Your offense is your, is your um, revenue. 
you know, if you lose a game 100 to 90, you know, you still lost the game, right? Your expenses are 100, your your revenue is 90, you know, and that a lot of times that'll happen as a result of fees you might have to pay or late charges or something because you can't pay your bills because somebody else is holding your invoice and you haven't received payment on it. That's fantastic. I, we, we are in the home stretch. And by the way, I'm definitely having both of you back on because I've learned so much from you. So please, uh, you know, as you start to release your reports and whatnot, I will always make time for you on my show because I think this is invaluable to my listeners and to small business owners. You've mentioned Ginger a number of times and Michelle, you on, on the MasterCard Economics Institute site about reports and about digital tools and resources. I'd love for you to each point out one or two resources or reports that are top of mind that my listeners can go to today and, and that they should incorporate into their business or into their conversations that they're having with their team their, and, and their advisors. So, Ginger, what, what one or two tools or resources would you recommend our listeners go look at? Well, look, I, I have to say Digital Doors because it's like a one to many. Within okay. Digital Doors, there's so many tools on to help them get digitized to give them education on running a business, search engine optimization, um, thinking about cybersecurity. And it now has this marketing hub, which can allow small businesses to build their own marketing. So it's a one-stop shop. Okay. And and do you know the the URL? Is it mastercard.com backslash digital doors? Yeah. I would just Google MasterCard digital doors. All right. And I'll put it on our resource page. Michelle. So the the all of the reports, by the way, that you talk about are available, right, to business owners like myself that I can read and I can learn about. And that will help me in terms of planning, right, like planning my own future. So mm-hmm. what, what report should I be looking at today? So on the MasterCard Economics Institute homepage, which you would just Google MasterCard Economics Institute, and it'll pull up, you'll see a blog section with a number of different research reports. Um, and one thing that you'll see pretty clearly is we rely on interactive reports mm-hmm. um, with what we think are pretty stunning visualizations that help you derive information that's most relevant to your specific needs. So you can engage directly in the reports. We don't we don't live in a world of static charts. Everything is wow. interactive. So you can pull down different um, items, different sectors, whatever is most relevant to you. Um, and in the research note that I was just referencing that is specific on how consumers are spending across different business sizes. We also look at how this differs by um, categories of spend. So you can mm-hmm. see different goods categories, services categories, how small businesses and their footprint has shifted over time across different industries and where there's area for opportunity. Um, so definitely engage there and reach out to the MasterCard Economics Institute broadly or to MasterCard broadly, and we can think about how we can engage more around economic education. So I can benchmark my business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at how spending, consumer core spending is uh, across the broad different business groups across different industries. So, yeah, it should be helpful to give a sense of how you're trending versus this aggregate. And and Brian, our research tells us that small businesses want data. And since Michelle has arrived uh, at the Institute, 
she has really created um, a very strong focus on small business, which I, as her partner, truly appreciate. <laughs> and I think just making sure if you're a small business to read, to understand, mm -hmm. I know you're busy. I know that you do everything, chief cook and bottle washer. Yeah. But educating yourself allows you to be in a better position to predict your future. Yeah. I think we're going to leave it on that note. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. Ginger Siegel, Michelle Meyer, thank you both very much for your time today and for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge and your interaction with small businesses and what you've learned. I know it's been helpful for me and I'm sure it's been helpful for my listeners. And uh, I'm going to twist your arm and invite you both back, maybe in the first quarter of 2024, so that you can help us all hit the ground running next year. How does that sound? That'd be great. Thank you, Brian. Fantastic. Sounds great to me. Can't All wait. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you to our listeners for all your great feedback. You know, this is part of what you've asked for. You know, bring on guests like Ginger and Michelle who can share their knowledge with you that will help you run a better business. So I hope you've enjoyed today. Continue to send us your feedback and we'll see you next week on another edition of the Small Business Edge podcast. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.